0: Welcome to Fertility Friendly Food. I'm your host, Stephanie Velarkis, accredited practicing dietitian and nutritionist and director of The Dietologist, an Australian-based practice focused on optimizing fertility through nutrition. This podcast will bring you snack-sized episodes for you to learn, grow, and be inspired by the latest research, facts, and practical lifestyle tips about eating well for optimal fertility, helping you cut through the confusion and myths to take back some of the control on your fertility journey, one bite at a time. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fertility Friendly Food, the podcast. My name is Stephanie Velarkis, and I'm an expert fertility dietitian and nutritionist and founder of The Dietologist, and of course, your host. And I've had the absolute honor and pleasure of supporting thousands of people from around the world on their trying to conceive and reproductive health journeys. So if you'd like to find out more about how you can work with us one-on-one, there will be links in the show notes, and I can't wait to hear from you. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to share something with you. I know that trying to conceive can be a time filled with equal parts hope and stress, but did you know studies have found positive correlations between mindfulness and stress for women who have experienced miscarriage as well as those doing IVF? Expectful is a meditation and mental health app for every stage of your fertility journey and beyond with over 1600 meditations, including special collections for cycle tracking whilst trying to conceive, going through IVF and pregnancy loss. Seriously, this app has so much for your mental health as you are trying to conceive, and it was designed by a team of fertility and perinatal experts, holistic wellness practitioners, and mums who have experienced it all. There are expert-led daily events and live Q&As with fertility coaches, courses geared towards guiding you along your personal fertility path, and the most calming of meditations designed to support you in trying times like the two-week wait. I've been trying out Expectful over the last few weeks, and I have been absolutely loving their sleep. Uh, soundscapes and sleep stories to help me get into a deep slumber right away as I'm trying to prioritize my own mental and physical well-being as I get prepared to freeze my eggs. And I especially love that the app grows with you as you walk through pregnancy into postpartum and motherhood um, and beyond. So, Expectful's free seven-day trial is a no-brainer for you to give it a try. And you can use the code DIETOLOGIST25OFF, that's DIETOLOGIST25OFF. Either on the app or at expectful.com, you'll get 25% off your annual membership after the free seven-day trial. Or you can go to expectful.com today to start your free trial or download on the App Store or Google Play Store to get started. That is expectful, expectful.com. All right, let's get into today's episode. So today's episode is all about diet and IVF, and I simply cannot believe that I haven't done an episode on this to date, but... I think we have covered a lot of the different key elements when it comes to diet and IVF in separate episodes. And I'm going to piece a lot of this all together for you in the one place and also encourage you to go back and listen to some key episodes from both season one and season two. So you can piece all the bits of the puzzle together when it comes to IVF. Now, I would say almost 40 to 50% of our clientele are preparing for IVF or currently undergoing IVF or have gone through IVF. And they come to us for advice before or during their IVF journey to help prepare what we like to call the raw ingredients of the conception recipe. I have talked about this a lot before on my Instagram, the underscore dietologist, by the way. But to recap, here is a quick reminder of the key ingredients in the recipe for conception. So we need healthy eggs, healthy sperm, ovulation, although not necessary for IVF, but necessary for conception without intervention, fertilization, and implantation. And so what we're looking at when it comes to nutrition and diet and lifestyle is working out how we can support each of those key ingredients, those raw materials that the doctor and embryologist has to work with so that we can increase the chances of IVF success, which is ultimately a pregnancy, but also a baby at the end of the day. So I do have episodes on what to eat for healthy eggs, what to eat for sperm. I've done an interview with um, Amara about optimizing ovulation. I haven't really talked much about fertilization. I'll talk a bit more about that. And I've also done a episode with Kaylee about implantation. So I will leave the links to all those episodes below for you all so you can backtrack and have a listen to those. But I just want to give some key points about each of these ingredients and then also talk a little bit about specific IVF related challenges that are associated with the medications and any dietary um, interventions there. So let's go back and talk about healthy eggs. So when it comes to the eggs, with IVF, the... Number of eggs retrieved is really determined by your ovarian reserve, which is not changeable, and the medication protocol that you're on. However, what we can do is try to create a nurturing environment in the ovaries, in the pelvis, to help support the egg so that it is nice and healthy in terms of its um, cell structure and integrity to be potentially fertilized with sperm. So key ingredients for healthy eggs include plenty of dietary antioxidants. So your fruits and vegetables, your extra virgin olive oil and your herbs and spices. And we want to be also optimizing our omega-3 fatty acids. Things that we want to be avoiding is excess amounts of saturated fat. Think your fatty cuts of meat, butter, coconut oil and coconut products, processed meats like bacon and ham and salami and Also, I'm totally forgetting something. Oh, palm oil-containing products. So that's typically in your more processed foods. And you also want to avoid trans fats, which are typically found in deep-fried foods especially. You also want to avoid excess alcohol and minimize your endocrine-disrupting chemical exposure, which I've talked about in a previous episode with Lucy Lyons from Two Lions Fertility. So again, if you haven't listened to that episode, definitely go back and have a listen. The next one is healthy sperm. So if you're using a donor, obviously you've got that in spades, but for those who are are trying to conceive with a partner who produces sperm, we want to make sure that the diet and lifestyle is optimized to support optimal quality sperm. And A big misconception when it comes to IVF is, oh, well, like if they're going to do ICSI, which is um, intracytoplasmic sperm injection, uh, where they literally get the sperm and inject it into the egg to force it to fertilize, then it doesn't really matter because they're just going to pick the best of the bunch. But it is really, really critical that in the three months leading up to an egg retrieval, which is when the sperm will then be given to help fertilize the eggs, that we are making a concerted effort to improve sperm quality, irrespective of sperm results. At the end of the day, IVF costs a lot of money for most people. And you want to be going into IVF wherever possible, optimizing what you've got at baseline As much as you practically can. So, with the sperm, similar principles here. You want lots of dietary antioxidants. You want folate from your dark green leafy veggies. You want omega 3s. You also want sufficient zinc and selenium. And we want to be avoiding heat in the testicular area. We want to be optimizing our. Nutrition from a healthy fats and protein perspective, especially. We want to be avoiding alcohol. In fact, one author has recommended complete abstinence of alcohol in preparation for IVF for men and no recreational drugs. Review any medications being taken. Some medications can impact sperm health. And we also want to be minimizing endocrine-disrupting chemicals. We want to be minimizing, uh like, too much, yeah. Too much heat in the in the in the man region, the nether regions, because things like hot tubs, things like putting your laptop on your lap, things like too tight underwear or pants can impact the sperm um, that's housed in the testicles. You also want to be mindful that any kind of viral sickness that spikes a fever, especially uh, in the lead up to giving sperm for IVF can have a significant but temporary knock on the sperm quantity and quality. So just keep that in mind, especially currently at the moment, time of recording, we're heading to the winter months here in Sydney, and a lot of people are getting sick. And so, It's just something to keep in mind. Um, We want to try and do as much as we can to protect the health of the sperm in those three months that it takes to generate new sperm, um, the life cycle of the sperm before IVF. I won't talk about ovulation because it's not indicated for IVF fertilization super interesting it's such a fleeting event and so we don't know all that much about it in terms of nutrition but we think potentially things like calcium and zinc are two key minerals that may be really relevant when it comes to fertilization and interestingly most of fertilization is actually determined by the egg Um, so a lot of sperm issues can be overcome with ICSI like I said but interestingly, there's a bit of a dance that goes on between egg and sperm before fusion occurs. And uh, a lot of that is in the egg's ability to also select which sperm um, it's willing to receive, which is very interesting. And then finally, once you've gotten to the embryo development, you've got fertilization, the embryo's developing, which is usually that embryo development if there's lots of drop-off there. I, I know a lot of clients that I see have lots of drop-off from day three and also like from day three to day five of embryo development, there's a significant drop-off. And so that usually speaks to more preparation required on the egg and sperm side. There's also so many other factors like age and medical history and all sorts of other things. But I'm putting all that aside and just talking about nutrition today. So that's when you'd really go back and look at the egg and the sperm itself. And then once you've gotten to your embryos and you might do a transfer right away, which is called a fresh transfer – Or you might take a break, have a period and freeze all your embryos. Some people choose to test their embryos genetically. Some people choose not to. And then you would get ready after ovulation to then put the embryo back at the right time. So five days after ovulation or six days after ovulation, however old your embryo is. And you will hopefully be pregnant. And that part is called the embryo transfer And we're optimizing for implantation here. So what we're looking for is optimizing the uterine lining thickness and receptivity. There's lots of different nutrition strategies that we can do here. But at the end of the day, implantation is mostly determined by the embryo quality. So, again, it speaks to really focusing on that three month prep before IVF um, to really have the biggest impact on outcomes. So, implantation, just a few quick tips things like vitamin E in your diet, things like avocado and peanut butter, healthy fats, things like selenium from Brazil nuts. And also whole grains in the six weeks lead up to implantation. So prioritizing things like brown rice and quinoa, whole grain breads. And as well, we want to be avoiding things that could potentially interfere with implantation. So, of course, things like alcohol come into effect again. We want to be optimizing for blood flow. So again, omega-3s, staying well hydrated and including things, uh, foods that are rich in dietary nitrates like beetroot can be really helpful as well. And you may need to switch um, supplements around uh, at this stage because in theory you are potentially pregnant. So um, make sure you touch base with your healthcare provider about what needs to change on that front. There's a whole lot more detail in the implantation episode, which I've linked for you below. But hopefully that gives you a little top line view of some of the key nutrition strategies and things that we need to consider when it comes to IVF. And I've really, really simplified for the sake of time. (laughs) But I do want to say before I move into talking about specific IVF related challenges, I should say. That there is one common theme that I consistently get in clients um, inquiring with us, sending us DMs, discovery call applications, having chats with them, is sadly what I'm finding is people are typically going into IVF without much preparation in terms of physically and mentally um, and certainly nutritionally. And they're not giving themselves enough time. And I appreciate once you've gotten to the stage of IVF for many people, you would have been trying to conceive for, you know, six months or 12 months. And at that point you really wanted to be pregnant a year ago. And I totally appreciate that. On the flip side when it comes to best practice, my recommendation is at a absolute minimum. If you are investing in IVF, you are investing your time, a significant amount of money, and your energy and emotional well-being for many people into this process, you want to be maximizing your outcomes. You want to be making sure you're doing as much as you practically can to enhance the IVF outcomes. And to do that, you need three months minimum of working on your nutrition and diet. One month is going to maybe have a small impact, but three months or more And you also need to factor in wait times, when how long your periods are, and all these other things. Increasingly, I'm seeing clients coming to us one week before IVF, two weeks before IVF, four weeks before IVF, and with our current wait times of three, four, six weeks... Know we're at IVF's door by the time we could even get started. It is not enough time. So, if you are, you know, six to nine months down the track of trying to conceive and you haven't yet conceived and you want to start optimizing your nutrition, potentially looking at some fertility treatments at the 12 month mark. I would recommend you reach out at that stage, be proactive, consider the wait times and give yourself the best chance. And hey, best case scenario, you end up conceiving in that three to six month timeframe anyway. So I just wanted to reiterate that. And for transfers, it doesn't really make that much of a difference what you eat on the day of the transfer. That's another common thing that we get. What matters is the four to six weeks plus before you get to a transfer that makes a difference when it comes to implantation. So please, 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 I can't fast track time or rewind time. I'm not that amazing yet. (laughs) So I need you to be proactive about your nutrition for IVF. Think ahead. Think multiple steps ahead because increasingly I'm seeing people coming with shorter and shorter timeframes. Or I'm seeing people come to us after multiple, sadly, you know, unsuccessful rounds of IVF where, you know, now they're using nutrition as kind of their, not their last resort, but you know, uh, uh, using it to extend their their net a bit wider in the things that they're considering, which is totally understandable. But if I had one message, I would just recommend that you really strongly consider it earlier rather than later and from the get-go. And it is a fraction, an absolute fraction of what you're paying to go through IVF. So it is worth the co-investment. Now, I want to move on and talk a little bit about specific IVF-related challenges, usually associated with the hormone stimulation, which is a typical kind of IVF cycle where your ovaries are being stimulated. Um, Sometimes there's other modified protocols, but I'm not going to go into the details around that. But I'm just going to talk about standard IVF. So a lot of people complain about bloating and abdominal discomfort. And what can we do about that? And usually this is especially notable before and after egg retrieval and it is absolutely understandably very uncomfortable. It's usually because the size of the ovaries have increased because the eggs have been stimulated and also some fluid retention. So making sure that you're still staying well hydrated, you're keeping an eye on your salt intake and you can use things like peppermint tea safely um, a couple of cups a day to help relieve bloating can also get peppermint oil capsules from the pharmacy that can also really help with relieving bloating. And then of course, all the normal things like going for walks, eating foods that you find don't bloat you if you've got personal triggers and heat packs and things like that can be helpful. The other thing that I hear a lot of clients is um, about their emotional state um, and that can then lead to changes around what they're choosing to eat. And so and then I get a lot of worry and fear about, oh, my gosh, my mood and emotions are all over the shop because of IVF drugs, and now I'm eating my weight in chocolate or whatever it is because of all these feelings, and now I'm worried that this is going to have a negative impact on IVF because I've been focusing on my diet. And so I, my number one thing would be is to go back and realise that, that kind of connection between your emotions and your eating is probably long before IVF. And so we need to work on that element and find, you know, appropriate ways that we can help our emotional state, whether that be working with a psychologist or counselor, finding some self-care strategies that work for you. I'm not just talking about hopping in a bath, but maybe it's talking to somebody, maybe it's journaling, maybe it's meditation, maybe it's exercise, uh, maybe it is cooking a nutritious meal for yourself. It looks different for everybody. At the end of the day, what you're eating in a couple weeks is not going to, quote, unquote, undo everything that you've been doing for the last three to six months. So it's okay if this happens, but be proactive. If you know you're prone to some emotional-driven eating that isn't got to do with your hunger, then I would recommend working with a dietitian on that prior to IVF if possible. I've mentioned this a little bit before, but one of the common questions is how important is the prep period versus in-cycle dietary changes? I get a lot of questions saying, oh, what do I eat now that I'm currently in stim? It's no different to what you should be doing in the three months prior to egg collection. And so I get a lot of last minute requests about, you know, what can I do now that I'm stimming or now that I'm prepping for transfer? And the answer is you should nothing specifically different than what you should have been doing for the last three to six months or four to six weeks in the case of transfer. So that's really important. The other thing is supplement changes. Um, there are some supplements that you may need to stop or change at certain points in your IVF protocol. So around the time of egg retrieval, if you get plenty of eggs and embryos, you may want to stop some of the egg quality boosting ones because they're no really no longer really required. And the other factor to consider is then, you know, if you're going to go straight into another stim, if it wasn't as, you know, didn't yield as many embryos as you you had potentially hoped, or if you're going into a transfer um, and what the timeline is around that. So sometimes I'm Got clients who are prepping for a fresh transfer. So we're doing both simultaneously. Um, So the supplement changes become like a bit more tighter on a timeline. Whereas in a frozen transfer, we have more space between the first event of retrieval and the second event of transfer. And so we've got a little bit more wiggle room, but I'm not going to go into extreme amounts of detail about what to stop and what to start. That is really something that you should be discussing with your healthcare provider and whoever's recommended those supplements to you. If you self-initiated, you need to get personalized supplementation advice. We do offer one-on-one sessions on supplement planning and advice they're called express prenatal supplement consults you can book them anytime they're just 30 minutes on zoom we're happy to walk you through it we do this with every single client of ours in the intensives and also in our coaching programs as well which i would strongly recommend is probably a much better option if you're undergoing ivf than just a once-off supplement consult The last thing I want to talk about is OHSS or ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome, which is a situation where you have produced lots of eggs in your stimulation and egg retrieval. And the space in which those eggs were, which is the little follicle, is now left empty after they're retrieved by the fertility specialist. And these often then fill with water and that abdominal bloating and can cause a lot of pain, uh, nausea, vomiting, a whole bunch of other symptoms. Uh, For some people, it can be uh, mild and and well managed with pain meds and and a heat pack and a few lifestyle changes, uh, which I'll get to in a second, at home. And for others, it can be quite severe where the pain can be unbearable and you can be potentially hospitalized temporarily to help manage that. So it is usually identified up front by your fertility specialist if you're at high risk of OHSS. And one of the biggest risk factors is having lots of eggs. Um, so you're having a high ovarian reserve or they're seeing lots and lots of follicles at your follicle scans. So that should be a little bit of a marker for you to tune in to potentially pre- what you can do to prevent OHSS. Now, there's nothing that's going to you know, completely prevent it and evade the outcome. And a, a modification to medications is one of the things that fertility doctors will review but from a nutrition perspective, you want to make sure that the fluids that you consume after egg retrieval are isotonic. So things like sports drinks are going to be better than water or please no coconut water. Um, coconut water is not isotonic. And that's because you don't want the fluids to shift into the follicle too quickly and that can create more of that symptom. You want to also eat some salty foods and obviously make sure you're rested and all that good stuff and try to eat what you can. So I talked for way longer than I thought I was going to about this topic, but naturally it is a very big one. So I, like I said, I've unpacked each of those ingredients in previous episodes. I'll leave them all linked for you below. And my key message from this is if you are thinking that you may need IVF or you are currently undergoing IVF, And you think that there is something more that you could be doing to help optimize your outcome. And you want that little bit of, as well, control, which is, so valuable, I hear so many about my clients say, you feel like so much is out of your hands when it comes to IVF, at least my diet and nutrition is one thing that I can change, then I would strongly recommend working with a fertility dietitian like us here at The Dietologist, where we can focus on optimizing your raw ingredients and really help maximize that investment that you are making in IVF, which can be multiple thousands of dollars per cycle. Um, so I always say you don't buy a house without getting a lawyer to review everything is fine and a building inspector and really the same should go with IVF we want to make sure that the raw materials the doctors and scientists are working with are optimized well in advance So if you would like to connect with us and work with us, the link is in the show notes below. We would love to hear from you and we'd love to support you on your IVF journey. And I hope this episode was useful for you. Don't forget to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, share it with a family or friend. And don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on whatever your favorite podcasting platform is. They're all completely free ways that you can help support this podcast, which we produce out of our own time. So if you really value what we do here, we would be super appreciative of a rating, review, share, subscribe, follow. I will catch you in the next episode, everyone. Bye.